God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. The Lord spoke to me recently and said, it's time to up your game. And then a few minutes later, He said to me, just let me love you. That's how God wants to help us up our game, is by letting Him love us. There's so many things that we want to do to try and work for His love, but that's not how it works. Welcome to the podcast today. We're so glad that you're with us. We want to invite you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and you can subscribe there to our email list and let us reach out to you with some of our writings, or you can look at our blogs that are on our website. And you can see what events that we have coming up. We are here to help, to mentor you. Our hearts are to contend for the outpouring, to equip you for the outpouring so that you can engage in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we want to help you to do that. Philip and I are kind of like a mom and dad in the Spirit. We've, we've walked for some years now with the Lord, and we've got some things that we can share to help you. So today, we want to talk about how to up your game from the Lord's point of view. <laughs> you know, uh, everybody who does any kind of a game um, wants to be the best that they can be, right? Yeah, and if the coach says, it's time to up your game, that means you need to jerk some more slack out. <laughs> well, remember, remember, Philip, when, when the Lord had put his finger on you, and all of a sudden, your bowling game just went down went the tubes. Downhill. And no matter what I did, you know, we we would in the sports world you would call that going into a slump. Yeah. Which is what I did. And I mean I I would I work part time, you know, uh, at the bowling alley in in the evenings and when uh, things were quiet, I would turn a lane on. You know, I just get a sheet of paper, turn a lane on, not keeping any score. I would just throw the ball, just concentrate on you know, like going for a 10 pin or this or that, just, and I would say, what's wrong with my game? It's like strikes come, but you have to get all your spares. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have six strikes in a row, but you blow a couple frames and your game's not going to be anywhere as high, you know, so I'm concentrating, you know, what's wrong with my game, but kind of down deep inside, I think I knew, but I did not want to admit it. Mm -hmm. And so... The the very last games that you bowled uh, were after you made your decision to follow God. You were fasting, of all things. Yeah, I was on the third or fourth day of a fast, and our team's bowling for first place. It's a split season, so the first half will bowl the winner of the second half. This is the end of the first half, and my I was in such a slump, I never broke a 200 game the whole, that whole first half of that season, which for having a 200 game in every set, and so I'm on the right path now, I'm saved, you know, I've, mm -hmm. I gave my life to Jesus, but I have to bowl this one last game, this would be my last league bowl, and I was quitting after that and 
moving to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And I'm the anchor man. So the last one that's supposed to be the one that has enough pressure that can handle it. So here we are in first game, and the anchor man is in a slump. You know, but <laughs> but I, I won the first game by pins. It was like a 196. You know, we oh, won it by almost pins. Almost 200. Almost 200. Second game, I had like a 216. The first That was the first time you broke 200 that whole season? Yeah. Wow. It was. And we won it by pins, and we clinched first place. That's all I needed. We needed was those two games. The third game, I bowled a 135. Because you'd lost your steam. I, I, my strength was gone. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to explain people I'm fasting, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't know what's going on. But but at least I went out in a blaze of glory for the team. Maybe not for myself. <laughs> and that was the last, the last time I was on a bowling league. Wow. But the point is, y you were working on upping your game. And it wasn't working until you gave your life to the Lord. And I realized it's a game that uh, I had to give up. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's it's about accepting him and accepting his will for your life. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the backstory on this is that over the weekend, someone gave me an amazing gift, an <laughs> absolutely amazing gift, a gift that was, it, it wasn't even on my radar screen that, that this should be something that I was looking for that this, like, this wasn't an answer to prayer. This was just an out of the blue, amazing gift. And I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by it. Kind of in shock. Very much in shock. <laughs> and so the next morning I was waiting on the Lord. I said, Lord, why did you move on this person to give me this gift? And his answer was, it's time to up your game. <laughs> so... I was pondering that, and then I, you know, I, I just went into my prayer time to just spend time with the Lord without any questions. Mm -hmm. And the next thing he said to me was, just let me love you. Hmm. And, and this person had said to me when he, when he gave me the gift, he said, the Lord wants you to know how much he loves you. Wow. Yeah. And I've had a hard time processing that. Um, I'm, I'm way better than I was, but I had a perception from you know, like, like deep inside of me that I was rejected. And, you know, I won't go into any details or any stories, but I suspect that there's somebody out there that's listening that can relate to feeling rejected. But the bottom line is our father loves us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to me that... I didn't perceive the love of God. I didn't, you know, honestly, I, I felt kind of like I had Teflon on me that anytime somebody would say, I love you, I would acknowledge it, you know, with my head, but I never felt it. It's like I had Teflon and anybody, it, it, you know, for <laughs> years, even in our marriage, you, you would say, I love you. And I would acknowledge it. And I'd say, I love you too. And I truly do love you, darling. I truly do love you. Aww. And I always have. <laughs> Uh, but but it's like I didn't, I, I wasn't able to perceive love. I, I And I don't know why, but apparently, you know, that's part of the onslaught against me to keep me from coming into the fullness of what God has for me. So he wants to up my game by starting in the most basic. Love is the most basic thing. You know, a baby has to know that he or she is loved. That first two hours after a baby is born 
is the time when that baby is supposed to be bonding, making yeah, eye contact with mom critical. and dad. Yeah. It's, it's critical to know that uh -huh. they're loved. And in our nice, clean hospitals, I think um, we have had probably a lot of babies have been separated from their parents in that first two hours, you know, let mom rest. She needs to rest now. She's worked hard. And, and they don't, they didn't realize that it was important to let that bonding take place. Mm -hmm. And other things, you know, just, just down through the years to, to have this perception of, I have to work at this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I, I, w I was always striving to be the best I could possibly be and better than everybody else. You know, I was real competitive. For... Yeah, I, could, I could feel it too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and you've watched me through the years mm -hmm. try and make things better that uh, were probably good enough to, you know, leave it and go on, do something else. And I'm glad you finally mellowed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it took a while. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> but but here's, here's what God is wanting to do. He's wanting to help us to just rest in his love. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy, heavy laden, laden uh -huh. and I will give you rest. rest yeah. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. He wants us to get into his rhythm. He wants us to get into heaven's rhythm. You know, we just had Dean Braxton here with us recently, and he was talking about our place in eternity and, and uh, how judgment began and, and these things. And at some point, we're going to be able to release that teaching. I don't know when or how, but the Lord will lead us. But one of the things that he was bringing out was the difference between thinking heavenly thinking and thinking earthly thinking. And so much of the time, we are busy thinking with carnality, yeah, carnal okay. thoughts, and, and the Lord is wanting to help us get into a heavenly mindset. Well, it starts with love. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I just stumbled on a little note that was on somebody's um, monitor in their office and that had gotten set aside. And, and I saw this little note. It was faded. The, the ink was all faded. And, but it said, remember, just be in me and rest in that state of being. Hmm. That's very good. Just be. You know, we've been talking about, for, for s several podcasts, we've mentioned about how Jesus lives inside of us and we live inside of him. That's mm -hmm. a very restful place when we're surrounded by him. Yeah. I have an example. I, I've never thought of it this way before, but it's like, do you have a crush on God? <laughs> That's good. That's have a good. crush on Jesus. I mean, think back now when you're, because mm -hmm. I mean, your emotions, you're going on, your hormones kick in and all this. And even then, you might have a crush on somebody when you're very, very young. Yes. Yeah, you know, on opposite even little sex. Kids. Even little kids, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and all that. I never had that. I wasn't interested in girls till I got about 16. <laughs> I was just. You know. Little girls are more inclined to that. Yeah. And I remember several crushes. <laughs> well, I never had any. So, so, <laughs> so anyway, so what, what happens when you have a crush on somebody? Mm -hmm. Where does your brain go? It's just like, that's all you think about. You sit there, maybe you're daydreaming, you mm -hmm. know, do this or that. We could do this together, do that, da, 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 yeah, da, you know? imagining. And, and so that's what your thought life, and it affects your emotions. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it really, and then all of a sudden you find out somebody else is taking this person out you had a crush on. And it's just like your heart just goes, but, 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 you know. <laughs> and the yeah. longer you've had one on it, the more the pain mm -hmm. happens. But what happens? You get over it. You know, somebody else comes along mm -hmm. that's maybe more beautiful. Or, you know, but so these are people that you see. But how about a God that loves so much and that's someone that you can't see? Mm -hmm. You know, and when you read through the Old Testament where it says, God, I am, I am a jealous God. Mm -hmm. So God is a jealous God. That wasn't actually going to be part of this podcast. You know, but it's, go ahead. But when you, th you think it, and it is through the scripture where God is jealous. And what happens if you're jealous of someone? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, if this was a, an ungodly way, jealous, mm -hmm. you would maybe try to do something against the person that is in the way of the one that mm -hmm. that you had the crush on or right. something because you, you're you're jealous of them. Yeah, and you it, get jealous because you're loving. Yeah. You're loving that person. And that's why God gets jealous. You know, I, I've been pondering about this idea. So many people think that the God of the Old Testament is just this angry God because mm -hmm. you see so many opportunities for judgment. You know, how many how many times does he bring judgment? Bam, judgment, bam, judgment, bam. But it's because he loves that he's jealous. And and the part that people don't understand is that when they compare the Old Testament with the New Testament, the Old Testament covers almost 4,000 years, just mm -hmm. about 400 years short of 4,000 years of history. So it's generation after generation after generation where God gives each generation the opportunity to walk with him. Uh -huh. And then if they do, he blesses them abundantly. And if they don't, they take themselves out from under his umbrella where they can get into all kinds of trouble and iniquity brings curses with it. Yeah, well, the uh -huh. devil is, is very happy to bring on all of the, the curses. He, he, wants, he wants to tempt us to do things that will cause God to reject us. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's, it, there's a place in Jeremiah, I think it is, that talks about how it's our iniquities that come between God and us. It's our iniquities that keep him from being able to yeah, shower uh -huh. his love on us. But that's what he wants to do. All he's asking for is for us to cooperate with him, to accept what he's done. I mean, look what, look what he did for the children of Israel to deliver them out of Egypt. Wow. Uh-huh. And Moses is up the hill, up, up Mount Sinai for 40 days, and all of a sudden they're ready to worship a golden calf. Yeah. As though this is the one that, that opened the Brought Red Sea for Egypt. you. <laughs> yeah. You know, why wouldn't he be jealous? Because he loves us. He loves them. So you compare that with the New Testament, and the New Testament covers, okay, so right, at, you get the, the little story of Jesus' birth, you get a blip when he's 12, and then you get about three years or so when he is, uh, when he's in his ministry, his death and resurrection and ascension, you know, roughly three and a half years, and then you get the few decades of the book of Acts and, and the epistles and the book of Revelation. I mean, it's just decades. Yeah. We're talking about decades where, where God is showering out his love mm -hmm. 
compared to 4,000 years of history in the Old Testament. So if people would really get a hold of the fact that there's a huge difference in the amount of time that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So for every for every time he brings judgment, there's hundreds of years where he's reaching out to his people and saying, "Come with me. Let do this with me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you get out of line. I'll fix it for you when you cry out to me." And he does it over and over and over and over and over and over throughout four thousand years, until they finally reject him so much that. There's nothing left for him to do because he's righteous. Yeah. For, but to bring judgment because he loves. But then he adds an extra promise that, that yes, I'm doing this to you now, but I'm going to bring back your people mm-hmm. to this land that I promised them. Yeah. I am faithful. I yeah. love this people. And I don't, uh, what, where's that, where's that verse? Um, Jeremiah 31 3 says, Jehovah appeared from old to me, that is Israel saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. And then he goes on in, Deuter- well, in, in another place, Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 9. Verse 9 says, uh, know therefore that Jehovah your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. We haven't even had that many generations yet. Yeah. In Mm -hmm. 6,000 years of history, we haven't had a thousand generations. Yeah. You know, there's um, that, it's not a teaching that's out there, but it's a, it's the, what are are the four love languages? I think it's five love languages. Five, five love languages. Let me see. And so we have, um, some are like touch, you know, it's how some people are just very, they're Mm -hmm. touching. Others give gifts. Mm -hmm. Other gives gifts. Okay, that's two. And there's um, saying words of, of affirmation, mm-hmm. uh, building up building up people with your words. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's acts of kindness. Yeah. And spending time. Spending time. Those are the five love languages. Wouldn't you say God is in all of those? Absolutely he is. And he knows which buttons to push for each of us mm-hmm. to help us to get into his love. Yeah. Because there, there are those that sometimes you you wonder... Why, why, why is God blessing them so much? You know, sometimes maybe it's more than just because they tithe and give offerings, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, which uh, releases the blessing of God. But, but maybe that's just God's love language for that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because of what work they do or what they have to do. I mean, some people, you know, the, for status quo, maybe for where they're at, they may have to need a, maybe a Lexus or something where the average person can get by with a Malibu, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that, why can't I have that, you know, and well, maybe you don't really need that, but right. God does give you what you need. It, it's just like he will give you, gives you your needs, but it's not necessarily your wants. True. Because your wants can turn into a little G, little God, mm-hmm. and you can make a God out of anything. That's true. You know what I mean? You know, because anything that takes your affection away from the Father, you know, you're spending more time with that. If that becomes an idol in your life, mm-hmm. sometimes God has to take it away. Sometimes he does. And he does it because he loves us. Yeah. Just it's, like he uh, took away your bowling game because he loved you. Because it was time for you to come into your destiny. It's called tough love. So tell me about how you felt when you finally recognized that God's hand was on you and you were willing to accept him. 
did you recognize his love? Tell tell me what what that was like. Well, when I was you know going through all the, this backslidden stuff, and I came down down into the headquarters here at night when we first met, and and I stayed here for about a week. I was going to go on home, but uh, it's just like I recognized this is where I'm supposed to be. Uh-huh. I really it, it took a few days, maybe it took a you know. It took about four or five days for that to sink in because I started coming down helping in the print shop. Where Sharon, I was working. Where Sharon was working. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even saved yet. I mean, I'm, I'm still backslidden, but I'm <laughs> I'm heading in the right direction now. <laughs> you know, it's just like, wowee. But I had such a peace. Mm-hmm. And I realized later that that was God's love. That It, it was his peace. Mm-hmm. I mean, my peace, my shalom, I give unto you. That's what Jesus yes. said. To his disciples when he, you know, after he's resurrected before his ascension, or it was after he had, he was here, I'm walking on the earth 40 days, but my shalom, my peace gave him. And because wherever I went, you know, in my backslidden state, I did not have peace. It's mm-hmm. just like it, it just it was it wasn't there, you know, but I had such a peace and I thought, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I knew I could give up anything to be where I'm supposed to be because everything I've done up to that time was not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what God was trying to do all through the Old Testament, allowing things to go wrong. Yeah. And you know, one other thing, I have my bowling average and all that, but I was in the performance. I love car performance. You know, I've lived in Chicago suburbs and no matter how fast your car is, somebody already, somebody has one that's faster. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way it is. And I have friends on the north side of Chicago. They, they run at the drag strip up in uh, Wisconsin, Union Lake, you know, and all that. And then friends on the south with suburb of Chicago. And, you know, you run it, you know, you run in the forest preserves, you race toward the drag strip in Indiana. That was, and, and I had a Challenger I was building up. It had a high horsepower engine in it. And, I mean, you can stomp on it at 45 miles an hour and fishtail. I mean, it had that much, you know, horsepower. And then the second gear went out in the transmission. <laughs> you know, so I'm laid off of work, you know. Oops. You know, and all that. I got a car that's my performance car is missing second gear. Oh, dear. You know, and my big, big old Pontiac needs an engine soon, you know. Oh, dear. Things weren't really going so well. And even on unemployment, I didn't have enough to really fix a car if it broke down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like everything that was dear to me was not working anymore. Right, but you, but good news for you—you don't have to wait till it goes that far. Yeah, stop quick and accept him. The better you accept him, the easier it's going to be for you. Yeah, instead of letting him hit you over the head with his two by four. Right. I mean, it doesn't have a nail sticking in it, but it's going to knock your head. Yeah, and it's not that he wants to hit you in the head with a two, but he has to get your attention. Whatever it takes to get your attention. What What does it take to get your attention? And and the the thing is this. The thing is this, he's trying to get our attention no matter where we are in our walk. Uh-huh. Wherever we are in our walk, we may be way ahead. We may be way levels up. We may be, you know, a graduate level, but he still wants us to up our game. Mm-hmm. And he still wants us to know more of his love because he is so vast and he is so infinite that there is more for us mm-hmm. to have. I think it's in Isaiah 40. It says, who can search his understanding? I know. Because it's so deep. But I want to try. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember a time when uh, it was back in the 90s and I was on a tour. Most of the time when I was on a tour, I was part of the leadership of the tour. 
And so I, had res- I was always having responsibilities. I was always taking photographs. I was always, you know, paying the tips. I was always doing all the, the many, many things you do. But this particular trip, um, I joined like at the last moment. There was an odd number of ladies. So I was able to have a single room for at least part of the time. I didn't have any money myself, so when it was time to go <laughs> shopping, I there's, there's not much point in shopping when you don't have any money. I mean, you can look, but well, no, no credit cards. No, oh no, no, certainly no credit cards. No, we we have uh, for years we have lived by faith. Right. You know, we, we, we don't right. get a salary. Right. And and, and the the point is that that you really don't need those knickknacks anyway. <laughs> you know. But anyway, I had so on that trip I had no money. I had no camera. The, at the last minute, I thought that someone else was bringing a camera for me, and, and there was a breakdown in communications, and that didn't happen. So I had no camera, and I had no responsibility, and I had a room to myself. And at one point, I accidentally got up an hour early, and I got dressed and realized, oh, I got up an hour early. Well, no point in going back to bed now. I'm already dressed. So I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, looking out the window, and I said, Father... I love you. And I heard him say, I love you too. And mm. that, was, that was like a revelation to me. It was an absolute revelation to me because I had this perception of not perceiving love, not perceiving that I was loved. And I heard the voice of God say, I love you too. Wow. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then some many years later, I had the, the uh, you know, the little children's song that we learned in Sunday school, Jesus Loves Me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I'm going through my head thinking, where does the Bible tell me so? I learned it as a child. The song must be right. But where does it, where, how do I know? How do I know he loves me? I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it was big to me. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit began to download the scriptures. And the first one that came to me was Galatians 2.20, which I memorized from a little song that I learned in Sunday school. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, Mm -hmm. yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who, uh uh-oh, there it is, who loved me and gave himself for me. I had recited that scripture over and over (laughs) multiple times in my life. But but it it wasn't real to you. All I got was that I'm crucified with Christ, (laughs) but I'm still living. And Christ lives in me. Yeah. I, I got that part, but I had never seen this part about he loved me and gave himself for me. That, that blew me away. He loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. That reminds me of Dean Braxton's experience when he got to heaven. You know, he died for an hour and 45 minutes. And when he got there, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he describes his feet like what John saw. And he said that all he could see was that his feet were loving him. He could feel the love of Jesus from his feet. Mm. His feet were loving me, Dean said. 
And then as, as he, as he slowly raised up, every part of Jesus was loving him. And that's when he took him to the crucifixion. He took him to the event. It's not like he had a vision of it. He said he was there. Mm-hmm. And he saw how Jesus had been shredded for him. And he was beaten to be unrecognizable as a human being. And he said, Jesus, you did this for me? And, and all of these things, you know, sometimes we get so busy just being Christians and doing the Christian stuff that we forget how much he loves us and how much he, the horrible price that he paid yeah. because he loves us. And, you know, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that for us. First uh, John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. And then you look at Romans 8, Romans 8, 35 to 39 in, in the Amplified Classic. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress, or persecution, or hunger, or destitution, or peril, or sword? Even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long, we are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid all these things we are more than conquerors, and gain surpassing victory, there it is again, through him who loved us." For years, I've heard, we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. But I didn't get it that it was, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, beyond doubt, am sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, haven't we been hearing threatenings, Mm -hmm. nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God, the love of our Father who loved us, with an everlasting love, according to the Old Testament, is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. It's one, he's one. They're, they're one together. The, yeah. the love of God is one together. What does it say in the Passion Translation for that scripture? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles? Pressures and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Wow. They they are impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Now, that's amazing. That's an amazing way to put it. Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us 
no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Beautiful. Wow. It reminds me of Peter. You know, you look at the disciples, you know, the 12, and they walked for Jesus three years, and they, um, and of course, Jesus put up with them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get their mindset, you know, that the kingdom of God is within you, you know, mm -hmm. and but you got to get rid of all the flesh stuff to do that. And so Jesus was crucified. The, you know, the disciples all scattered, except for John. He was there at the cross, even up to the end. So Jesus appeared to them, you know, and I will see you again in Galilee, he, you know, mm -hmm. he tells them. So what do they do? So they go down to Galilee, and then Peter gets this idea, well, what do we do? You know, gets do what we did before Jesus showed up. Mm -hmm. Let's go fishing. fishing. I'm going fishing. <laughs> so they go out, found a boat, I guess, and fishing all night. You know, they get nothing. They get out there, and, and Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. Yeah, and, and they pull it up, and they didn't know it was him. Well, first. then they did. When 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 they when they got when the they fish, got the fish it's they the did Lord! because that's <laughs> so so you go back three years everything they went through and Peter was the one he saw he saw Jesus you know the incarnate Jesus you know on the up on the mount with uh you know with transfigured with, transfigured you know and all the glory he saw that you know and so this goes back. You know, all, everything, this probably all flashed before their eyes, you mm -hmm. know, and all, everything that was going on to the point where they, where Jesus first called them. What were they? Fishermen. Mm -hmm. Doing their thing, you know, cleaning their nets. And what did they do when Jesus said, cast out your, your, your nets on the other side? Mm -hmm. And they, he says, well, at your word, I'll cast down the net. Mm -hmm. And they probably, what they did, all the nice nets were all, put away so maybe cast out an older one and the net broke mm -hmm. you know and so this time here's all these fish they caught that the net didn't break yeah. of course maybe the angels were there keeping it squeezed too <laughs> you know pulls them on shore and so there they are but it says no nobody asked who he was mm -hmm. they, they said in the boat it is the lord you know peter jumps mm -hmm. out of the boat to swim to shore and the lord says bring the fish that you have caught even though there was already fish on the grill so yep. Jesus was, <laughs> he had his own way of getting fish. Yes, you know? he did. And so they're eating fish, they're eating and all that. And I'll just read it here. This is the King, King James. Jesus says unto them, this is John 21, verse 12, come and dine. And none of the disciples asked him, who are you? I'm paraphrasing, mm -hmm. knowing that it was the Lord. Then, then Jesus then comes, takes bread, gives them and fish likewise. Where did he get the bread? I mean, the bakery wasn't open yet. You know? <laughs> this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples, the third time. You know, mm -hmm. God always speaks in, in, he speaks in threes of them. After that, he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Look at all this fish. Look at all the money you could make right there. I mean, this is a haul. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go out and put a down payment on a new car. I mean, this is this is big <laughs> here, you know. And um, he says unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus says unto him, Feed my lambs. But the word in the Greek, when you study this, Jesus says to Simon, Do you love me more than all these fish? Mm -hmm. You know, 
Do you agape me? That's unconditional love. Agape is the, it's God's kind of love. It's God's kind of love. And Peter answers him, Lord, you know that I love you, but that love word is filio. It's brotherly love. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's th- three words for love in the new in the Greek. You know, there's the love between a man and his wife. Then there's the filial love, Philadelphia love, like the Church of Philadelphia. And that's the other one. And then there's the agape love. That's, you know, that's God's love. And so he says, Do you, uh, don't you agape me more than you, than you love all these? But he answers them, no, Lord, you know that I love you, filio you. And Jesus asks him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, Lord, you know that I filio thee. He says unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him, Simon, son of Jonas, filio thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, you know, filio thou me. Mm-hmm. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I filio thee. See, Peter did not have that God love, kind of like what you went through mm-hmm. for all these years. You did not have the that feel that your own revelation of, you know, God love you, but that it hadn't captured. It hadn't gotten into my depths. Hadn't got there. Because what did God, Jesus say to Peter? Three times you will deny me. Mm-hmm. And so three, that hurt Peter in that way. And also that the way that Jesus says, filio thou me, not agape thou me. Because so he knew he was short. Yeah. And he was short on love. Yeah. But it wasn't until the Holy Ghost was poured out. Yes. Beyond, uh, whole we fall short sec- of the glory of God. Second chapter of Acts that, mm-hmm. that then it really became real to him. And even in our own lives, you know, God's, God's love language to us. He gives us so, so many things, you know, we don't ask for a lot of times. And, and it just makes it available. It's like uh, 25 years ago, picking you back up from that China trip mm-hmm. and we're looking to get a four-wheel drive car and here's this car. It's getting dark sitting up on the hill there at someone's house and I go back the next day and look at it. It was a Toyota Land Cruiser. I thought, wow. And we were able to get that car, mm-hmm. you know, and had to take a loan out and all that sort of thing. But here we are all these years later and we now have a car that doubled itself in price already, and every week it keeps going up in value mm-hmm. because of what it is. This old 80, 1984 Toyota Land Cruiser, and there are all of a sudden people are asking, like, do you want to sell it? you want to buy it? I mean, I just no, chuckle. Car. <laughs> I just chuckle at God, his, his favor. He just pours yeah. his favor out even though when you don't ask it or expect it. He upped our game at that point without us knowing it. You know, you, you will know why mm-hmm. you, you got an upgrade. Yeah. It's beyond me. Uh-huh. But he wants us to get it. Yeah. It, bottom line is, he wants us to up our game in his love. Love. And let him love us. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't, we weren't looking for a Toyota Land Cruiser. We weren't looking for some of these gifts that God has given us. But he's given them to us because he loves us. And he wants mm-hmm. us to accept him and just let him love us so that we can get into that place of rest where we're just riding on yeah. his love. It's like set set your affection on things above. Yes. Not um, on things on the earth. Not on things on the earth. And God will give you what you need when you need it. It's true. There's so many scriptures that I went through and, and discovered uh, 
John 3.16, John 16.27, John 17.26. You can look these up yourself. Ephesians 1.4, Ephesians 2.4-7, Titus 3.4-7. I just want to close with John, 1 John 4.9-19, and I'm reading from the Amplified Classic in this. The love of God was made manifest or displayed where we are concerned. In that God sent his Son, the only begotten or unique Son, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Mm-hmm. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. And it goes on talking about how God abides, lives, and remains. I better read that verse. No man has at any time yet seen God. But if we love one another, God abides, lives, and remains in us. And his love, that love which is essentially his, that's that's the agape. Mm-hmm. It, it's the love that's essentially his. It's his mm-hmm. kind of love. It's yeah. the kind of love that gives. He sees the need and he sees to it. Yeah. He saw that the world needed a savior, and so he gave his only begotten son. Mm-hmm. That love, which is essentially his, is brought to completion, to its full maturity, runs its full course, is perfected in us. By this we come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we abide, live, and remain in him and he in us because he has given, imparted to us of his Holy Spirit. I'm just going to skip down. And we know, understand, recognize, and are conscious of by observation and by experience and believe, adhere to, and put faith in and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. Skipping down to verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Jesus um, told his disciples and the multitude, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So when you think of all these things, when you get your perspective right by seeking the kingdom of God, seeking Jesus, having that relationship with him, you won't have desires for other things that, because they're all going to pass away anyway. In it's like he pulls the plug on that whole bathtub of stuff. and down it goes so he wants us to up our game Mm -hmm. in allowing him to love us yeah let his love shelter you right now before you put your head on your pillow tonight or just take time right now to let him love you it takes the stress out Mm -hmm. put your trust in him commit your way to him just luxuriate and and Enjoy his presence and rest in his love. His love is everything that you need to get through everything you need to do and be. Sometimes we try to do so many works that it's like trying to put 10 pounds of of flour into a five-pound sack. God wants to deliver us of that mindset. We don't have to work our way into his uh, good pleasure. We just have to have relationship with him to obey him. And that's easy when we let him love us. And that will up your game. God bless you. Amen. 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 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence.